the weird thing is like right now it's it feels like autumn but it's starting to get a little bit autumny mm. and yet it's what we're at the end of july which is allegedly summer mm. i've made that joke several times i should shut up about it <laughs> <laughs> fucking terrible I'm, I'm loving it keep, <laughs> keep it up <laughs> tell it tell it again so it's solid material <laughs> yeah for I, I don't know it's it's uh it's easy i think it's easy to forget when you're in a city as vast as 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 this one that you're on a tiny island just like New Zealand so the, the weather is just as yeah. just as versatile you yeah, kind of yeah. it's so changeable all the time so I'm Michael Oliver, and this is To Londoner, a podcast about Kiwis who scaled the summit of the peak, better known as London. London is synonymous with music, and it's been the place where some of New Zealand's best musicians have produced some of their greatest work. Singer-songwriter Jesse Will moved to London from Auckland in 2013 and is on the same path that the likes of Don McGlashan and Neil Finn went before him. We met up in an East London park on a chilly July afternoon and talked music, werewolf Michael Jackson and awkward metaphors. Mostly mine. Okay, entirely mine. jump back in time mm. let's, well, let's do that let's do that how would you describe yourself as, as a kid growing up were you the were you did you draw pictures were you a doodler were you a writer were you just kind and kind of exploring creative impulses you know I, I asked my mum this the other day because I kind of got thinking I was like I wonder what kind of kid I was like I, I know what I was like when I was like you know eight nine ten but when I was really young and she always just she always comes out with the same answer. It's it's it's, it's quite funny. She's like, "You were the quiet one." And she's like, "You just kind of s- stared." <laughs> like, right, okay. So I was just a creep. That was brilliant. <laughs> she's like, "No, no, no. You were you're just you're a very thoughtful kid. You asked a lot of questions. Always questioning things." And I was like, "What was I like at kindy? Like, what was I like at preschool and stuff?" And she's like, "Ah." Oh, just in the book corner a lot <laughs> loved books <laughs> which actually I can remember I remember walking into play school and kindy and stuff and um, which is kindergarten by the way for people that don't call it that um, and just loving either the science table or the book corner it's never never big on on like the outdoorsy stuff yeah. I don't know why just kind of enjoyed enjoyed doing things that you know that involve imagination and stuff. I think I was a bit of a weirdo, which probably is the easiest answer to your question. <laughs> what were you like as a kid? Very strange. I was a, just, just weird. Yeah. 
Maybe the polite term now is introverted. <laughs> yeah. So what was your first instrument? Piano. Yeah. So... When did you pick that up? So I picked that up when I was... So I'm pretty sure mum... I used to like kind of tinkle on it as a, as a, as a kid, like as a um, toddler and stuff. And mum and dad were like super encouraging of that, I remember. Um, even though I was just playing, just mashing, just nothing, you know, but they took that as me being some kind of prodigy. <laughs> and they got me some lessons, like some um, piano lessons with this really angry old lady down the road. I can't remember what her name was anymore, but I used to walk down there. I'd, I had piano lessons for maybe three years. I never did my, oh, I did, I did, I only did one grade because I preferred, I remember, I didn't really like the songs that she was teaching me, I think. And so my, my nana bought me this, um, this book of, of um, music, like popular songs, and I wanted to learn them. Um, but the, the teacher, that, the lady that was teaching me was very classically minded in, in terms of your piano training. Yeah. And she wasn't on board with it. Yeah. And she kind of insisted on grades, so I think I kicked up a bit of a fuss and changed teachers. But yeah, I was, it was piano and, and I did that, I did lessons for maybe three or four years, I think. Um, and then that was also when I started singing, I think, as well. I'm not sure if that was going to be your next question, but I, yeah, I, I'd sing along as I played. I think uh, it's difficult to difficult to remember. How old were you at this time? Yeah. You mean when I was standing on a uh, cardboard box stage in my bedroom and belting my lungs out <laughs> to Michael Jackson? Uh, probably about ten. Ten. Ten yeah. or eleven is when I went through a big old Michael Jackson phase and I remember my uh, my older brother uh, scaring me into thinking that Michael Jackson was actually a werewolf and I was distraught it's like this is this is the end of my my <laughs> I can't take this guy seriously <laughs> yeah alright you are some kind of subhuman how, creature listen your music can go to hell how can I love you so much when you're a werewolf at night <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not okay. Look, there are there are other pastimes. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, it looks it looks so much like makeup. How how is it that that's actually what you turn into? Yeah, but uh, I I was horrified by that. But um, yeah, I I think I from the piano lessons I started singing. Um, in, in private, I was always I was always a little bit ashamed of it of singing, and I think in a way that's kind of kind of bled into what I'm like now as well a, a little bit I'm never fully into looking into the audience's eyes when I'm when I'm performing I find it I find it a little disconcerting um, I know that there's there's um, singer-songwriters out there that love to just eye their audiences and you know look straight at them but uh, never never been on board with that I like I like my my barrier I'm more than happy to share, but I, I like my, yeah. So can you, thing. would you prefer a, a smaller room to a, a larger room where you can, where people's faces just kind of bleed into each other? 
when I when I came here, I, I always envisaged how wicked it would be to play large venues and, and festivals. And I've played a couple of festivals and and some pretty large venues and stuff. Um, and I think I prefer intimate shows. Yeah. Which is a recent kind of thing for me. Just because the, the songs work better when you're sharing with a smaller group. I think it's just because when you've got larger crowds, with that comes noise, um, you know, chatter at the back, things like that, which can always be a little disconcerting. Mm. There's nothing more beautiful than when you have a silent room and also nothing more encouraging because yeah. that either means you're doing a, a terrible job, but usually <laughs> means you're doing a great job because they're listening. Um, yeah, but you can feel you know the energy of a room when you're playing in it anyway, and, and kind of grasp what's you know how, how it is. And I've found that the the intimate spaces work better for me, which is why I'm excited about the shows that are coming up because they're with so far sounds who always put on really nice intimate shows. Should be good. So what struck me uh, about not only listening to your uh, recorded music, but I I went to a gig gig of yours uh, just down the road at uh, uh, a place that escapes me right Paper now. Dress Vintage. Paper Dress Vintage. Mm. And Another in- an intimate spot as well. Yeah. Uh, a place that doesn't it doesn't seem like it lends itself to music and yet it was mm. a really nice kind of uh, welcoming atmosphere and mm. what sort of struck me about your your work and uh, what you do is that it's I wouldn't say it's like a lullaby, but you feel like you're just going on a nice walk. I want to say like you're going on a journey. Man, but that it's, is it's one of the sweetest compliments I've ever had, eh? Just going on a nice walk. I mean, who doesn't like a nice walk? Yeah. Come on. Unless you're, you're lazy. <laughs> Come on the walk. Um, that's nice. Thanks, man. Do you, do you, in that sense, do you sort of see yourself as a bit of a, you know, a travelling storyteller, in a way, that... Uh, your, your songs do tend to evoke a kind of uh, beginning, middle and end sort of aspect. Yeah, I, I, I remember kind of when I first set out to write my first EP, I, I always kind of thought of, of each song as being like a little three minute movie. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of, you have an introduction and then you have like a climax and then you have an ending. I'm in it for the storytelling. Is I can definitely say that because just from experiences and from other musicians that I've talked to and kind of exploring what they do it for, I know that for me what's most important is that people um, not so much grasp or, or understand but take something from it. I think like any good writer of any kind of art form, I suppose, um, just to take something away and just be affected in some way by it is for me the most important thing. What time do you, uh, yeah, what time of day do you usually find yourself being at your most creative? Um, I'd say naturally the evening would be for me the most creative. It, it kind of depends, you know, if you're, if you're kind of working during the day, um, then obviously you're going to be forced to write in the evening. But the best writing seems to get done when you're, when you're not forced into it, when you have that kind of freedom to, 
to, to just pick up your guitar, you know, almost almost kind of instinctively, you just feel like a like a little strum. That's always for me when the best ideas come. If I sit down and I pick up the guitar and I go, right, I need to write something because I haven't released something for too long. Um, you might get the odd little idea, a little kind of moment, but yeah. For me, I, I don't know, I, I like to designate a bit of time, like a couple of weeks where I'm like, right, I'll leave all that time open just to kind of let ideas flow in. Um, Are you a night owl? Yes, yeah, definitely a night owl. Um, I'd say I'd be at my most productive probably after midnight. Um, although, I mean, that was for the songs that I've already written, you know, kind of between midnight and 2am when everyone's asleep and you kind of, you're completely alone and you're in your own zone and there's no, there's no reason to feel self-aware or, or, or um, um, you can just kind of release all inhibition and just get into it. But recently I've been writing a lot during the day which I like the idea of because I feel like it will actually, in the long run, it will affect the music and, 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 and kind of allow me to create something different. How long have you lived in London? Three years. It's, so it's around about the time you've been focusing <clears throat> on music? Um, I don't really count the first year that I was here as being anything really. I maybe played like three or four gigs that whole year. I just kind of... I definitely came over here with a clear, you know, very clear vision of like, you know, I want to be a musician, I want to be a songwriter and, 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 and share my, my songs with people on the other side of the world and try and make that work. But when I got over here, just, I'd never, I'd never been anywhere. I'd been to Australia and I'd been to Fiji but I'd never been anywhere with such rich history, and I just got—I got so distracted. I—I I travelled. I kind of, you know, I, I made a lot of new friends, English friends, and 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 met a lot of women, and had a great time. And <laughs> I was just—I was just I was literally just fucking around that whole year. Um, so I don't really count it. Like, yeah. I don't think I wrote anything that year. Um, and then it was—it was the next year where I was like, right, you know, I've, I've had my—I've had my fun. I feel like I'm almost a Londoner now. It's time to settle down and kind of, you know, get cracking. Yeah. And that's when I started working on every thread. How has uh, London affected your creative output? It's such a good question because, yeah, I, I don't see it explicitly, but it's got to be, it's got to be there somewhere. Like, it's, um, it's, for me, I think it's more, Rather than an, an environmental influence of you know like the city and city lights and all that kind of stuff that a lot of people do kind of add into their lyrical content, for me it's more of a cultural thing I think, and it's more of a. a I think London's made me more, a lot more cynical, uh, which is a good thing, I think for for growth, but. You've got to find a balance, because at the end of the day, when you're writing, when you're writing singer-songwriter music, you get there's got to be some exceptions. But 
yeah, they're very they're a very discerning bunch of people over here. You know, if if they're going to be impressed, it's got to be, it's got to be good. It's not like New Zealand where you can play any any old cover and you know there's always someone who's like, man, <laughs> you're amazing. You know, <laughs> which is so sweet, but. You know, over here the 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 bar is is set so much higher, which for me at the beginning was frightening, but I now find it I now find it quite um, you know a good healthy challenge. It's interesting you mentioned covers, as you uh, your your covers uh, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah. Let's get it out of the way. Wait, it's, <laughs> it's what's because uh, yeah the most prolific cover of yours is the. The, I, how do you feel about like the, the term viral? Like your your viral cover of a, a Taylor Swift's "Shake It Off." Like, do you think this was just, you know, this is a, you know, this was this was my take on it, and you were just surprised that it went as far as it did? Or see, this is where the cynicism kicks in because the internet's a bit weird. Like, like it's such a crazy machine, um, and everybody has their kind of 10 minutes of fame on the internet not everybody but a lot of people do do you know what i mean it's such a it's the turnover so quick of 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 what's trending and what's going on and it was a moment and it happened and it was amazing for me because it was kind of my first taste of some real kind of solid um credential to add and 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 some real encouragement mainly for me was just the industry encouragement that i got from that was was so good and and, I, and I'm really appreciative for it. Um, yeah. For those uh, those who may not have been aware that you were, what was the what was the story behind what happened? Well, she. So you, you, I, I put it up on 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 Twitter and I and I tagged her handle in it, and I. <laughs> I put up a little cheeky comment about. Taylor Swift oh, I can't remember what it was what was it it's actually oh, I'm quite proud of it <laughs> well I can't claim the idea completely my my girlfriend was uh, was partially responsible for coming up with the idea but it was um so the thumbnail had me sitting there with my guitar and, and my facial my facial hair was a bit lengthy at the time and I tagged Taylor, Taylor in it and I said do you love Taylor Swift but wish she had a beard and then um, here's the next best thing and I put that on Twitter and I put it up on Facebook and you know it got it got the usual amount of likes and, and, and stuff but I guess I just it was just a right time you know right time right moment kind of thing and I guess if, if she if she does I don't know if she or her management do scroll through everything I feel like that would stand out yeah, you you would be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Who is this guy? You know. <laughs> so, yeah, I I would I, I because I haven't spoken to Taylor Swift ab- about that specifically. Like, you know, um, what was it? You know, that, that got your attention. That's what I kind of assume it was. Was just that comment. Yeah, being a bit different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was good. It was good, and and that song's forever in my set list.
I forgot to ask this before, but I'll, I'll, the magic of podcasting is that you can sort of edit it and make it seem like you're, you're seamless, despite the fact that you're decidedly not. But how on earth did you find yourself being, or found a song of yours playing on a Starbucks playlist? Did they... Yeah, you've been doing your research. I have been. It's great, man. It's a little learner for me. Yeah? It's still happening, yeah. Um, so... So, did you say how did I find that to happen? Yeah, yeah. How, how did that come about? Completely organically, man. I feel like they must have scouts who, who keep an eye on new music that's released. Um, and just, just um, curators with amazing taste. <laughs> no, I, 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 basically I, I just got an email one day from so-and-so at Starbucks and he said really digging the EP, this was about every thread, um, is there any chance we could chuck it on a Starbucks playlist? Um, and he sent me through all these contracts to sign and blah 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 and I was like seeing dollar signs, I was like this is great and I signed it all myself and sent it off. Uh, I'm not sure whether I gave him permission to use it forever but it's it's good man, it's, it's getting the Spotify plays up there a lot and it's, um, it's a nice little bit of pocket money for me. Uh, which is great. So I sit here, open chested, empty handed, with just a cigarette, tip a torch. I can't carry in all the feathers I can't get. Asking you to trust me with wings I don't have yet. So you're working on, you said you're working on some new material at the moment. Is this uh, with a mind to a full release sometime in the future? Yeah. What do you mean by full release? Like a, an LP. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's always, that's the long-term goal, yeah. Um, so I'll be, doing, I'll be doing another release, which is an EP, another EP, which will have four tracks on it the kind of idea that I have at the moment is to to kind of release enough material that by the time I have some label interest or um, you know some a team to kind of work with that I can release an LP and actually successfully do it you know I, I think a lot of um, songwriters and a lot of musicians and bands they just go straight into releasing an album when they don't have they don't have the clientele, so to speak. They don't have the following yeah. to, 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 to eat, eat it up. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm playing the long game. Yeah. You know, I just want to, you know, it's, it's, it's more, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, you know, it's, it just, it makes more sense to me to, to release something smaller but really take my time with it put as much effort into those four songs as I would put into a whole album yeah. and make sure that they're sounding exactly how I want them to um, I've got a really good um, a really talented producer on board uh, who it's, it's not 100% yet so I can't say who it is but if he does get on board he's 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 very like minded and he, he's like a master of atmosphere and when we when we when we caught up in London at a pub and had a chat, our ideas were so you know same wavelength and 
um, creatively speaking. So if that happens, I think it'll be a great thing to, to have a, a really good producer on board because my last EP I produced myself and the first EP was, was kind of just produced by the, the engineer who recorded it in the studio mm-hmm. back, back home. It was Neil Finn's studio, like, so you could just be like, well, I mean, you've got to be quality. You yeah. know, he's not going to hire someone who, who doesn't know how to produce something. And I'm really happy with those recordings. They're quite shiny and polished, but he, he, he definitely got a good, even combination of, uh, of commish, commish, commerciality, commish, sellability, <laughs> sale, Sailing. money making. <laughs> There's two things that that are on my mind about back home because I feel like once you've been some anywhere for three years you kind of you stop looking at it the way that you did when you were first there in terms of with that kind of shiny eyes and everything's new and, and brilliant um, and uh, it's not to say that I don't still find London, London amazing but I think I've started to sort of become a little clouded with the fact that I, I have been away from my family quite a long time and just having room to breathe it's such a fast paced city um, and there's so much noise and stimulation all the time I don't know about you because you're from are you from Auckland? I'm from, from a, a small originally I grew up in a small place sort of just outside Palmerston North so oh, yeah. only like... well, anywhere in New Zealand, yeah. you know, you've got you've got a lot more space, and you know, I slowly realised as I got here that just space is so valuable in a, in, a, in, a, in a ridiculous city like this. So just kind of having a bit of room to to do what I do without without the knowledge that there's someone listening in or you know someone trying to sleep or uh, you know at a park someone's watching, you know. Creatively, for me, that's pretty important, just to kind of be isolated, um, which is why they have studios that you hire out and stuff like that over here, um, little spaces just to have your own thing. Um, so, yeah, family and, and, and just kind of nature and the room to breathe back home, uh, you know, I, I miss them a lot. Um, but I'm not done here. <laughs> There's still a lot more to do. There's a spider on your shirt. <laughs> right there. Yeah, he's, he, he's a nice dude. Cool. He, he wants that beard. He does want that beard, yeah. Or maybe the chest hair. Maybe that as well. He's under your collar. He's really not He's not going to bother you. He's, he's pretty small. No, he's all right. If he's, if he's not... Uh... Oh, I'll get him. This is this is what we call a story for radio, right here. <laughs> I was in me to take feathers from you, dream your dreams for you. A feather could fall, a feather could roll. I was in me to take feathers from you. My thanks to the always impressive Jesse Will. You can find him on Spotify, iTunes and Amazon Music, plus online at jessiewillmusic.com. And you can find To Londoner on Facebook at To Londoner and on Twitter 
at, believe it or not, to Londoner. Tune in next time for more fun and frivolity from this fastidious, fascinating facade of fun and frivolity. Yeah, that doesn't work, but we'll just roll with it anyway. Bye.